We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Seriously. <laughs> Welcome to episode 118 of uh, the Beyond 90 podcast. This is Eric Subihano, um, joined by three absolute experts of the women's game in Australia. So it's been a massive week with uh, both club and international football, and we've got plenty to talk about. We've got uh, joined by three different people in three different cities. Firstly, I might start with uh, the person I like to call the fairy godmother of Beyond 90, and that, of course, is Cheryl Down. So how's life down in Victoria? Well, I'm glad it was me and not Stefan. Not that you can't be a fairy godmother, Stefan. That would be absolutely fine. It's been very wet here. We've had um, super amounts of rain. I was just saying off air that I'm uphill. So as much as we've got, we've had over a hundred mil in a, you know, 24-ish hour period, it's run downhill. So town was flooded, but I was okay. Very happy about that. And yeah, just lost power twice in the week as well. So yeah, oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah, so uh, we certainly hope that everyone's staying dry and uh, staying safe. Uh, it's been wet up here in Sydney as well. And so my Republic of Ireland jersey really needs a wash, but it might be a while before I actually get to wash it. But it's good to see you wearing the correct shade of green, by the way, Cheryl. Um, also, <laughs> speaking of green, um, of course, uh, it's our Canberra and Nordic football expert, Stefan Mobus, has also joined us once again. So thanks so much. Is it also wet in the nation's capital? No, it's not too bad here. Thank you. Um, hope, I hope everyone else is, is well this afternoon. Um, kind of wishing I'd um, packed away in Dale's suitcase, though, because it looks like he's having a wonderful time over in Germany. So I think I really would have enjoyed that as well. But uh, I'm glad he's having a good time. He is having an incredible time. That, of course, is Dale Roots, a regular contributor to this pod as well. Having the time of his life in Europe with his partner, Julia, and I'm not jealous, not at all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so finally, to round off our wonderful quartet, of course, it's up in Queensland, Majella Card of Matilda's Active Support fame. So, Madge, are you dry as well, or are you wet like Cheryl and I? You know what? It's For a change, um, Queensland is not is not bucketing down at the moment. So um, thoughts to everyone down in Victoria and New South Wales who are absolutely copying it. It's, um yeah, we know how it feels and um, absolutely wreaks havoc. Uh, but it looks like it's something we're all going to have to get used to, unfortunately. It doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime time soon. Um, but I, I also think that Stepan and I, are, um, being a Raw fan, we're coordinating nicely with your background <laughs> uh, for today's the the orange and green Yes, it's, it is uh, very good. Also, uh, I'd like, also good to see you, Madge, wearing an acceptable shade of green. So let's move <laughs> on to um, our traditional history lesson. So episode 118 means Matilda's cap 118, and that is Tal Karp, who made her Matilda's debut in 2002 and played for the national team up until 2004. A big shout out to her grassroots clubs listed as Maccabi and Balcata in Perth. Uh, Talcarp actually uh, made my favourite number of appearances for the national team, which is 27, and scored twice. Uh, Tal was a midfielder selected in the Matilda squad for both the 2003 World Cup and 2004 Olympics. So one of the shorter careers, but she certainly packed a lot into it. Domestically, she played eight WNSL seasons, six for Canberra Eclipse, plus um, one for South Australia Sports Institute and one for Western Waves. So Tal moved around a bit. After her WNSL days, she graduated with an arts law double degree from Australian National University, but that wasn't it for playing. She returned to the field for two A-League women's seasons, the first two, so 2008 to 2010, and was our Melbourne Victory's inaugural captain. So post-playing days, uh, she is now the CEO of YMCA Australia, incredibly passionate about helping young people. And um, there's a nice story about Carr from the YMCA website uh, and her time working as a legal aid lawyer in Victoria, which we recommend uh, you read. We'll link to that in at the top of the show notes because I think it really shows uh, some of the motivation she has for what she does now. But uh, we certainly wish Tal all the best uh, with her work at YMCA. So just a, a shout out to Tal as well. So I've met Tal on a number of occasions. She's a, a top person. Very interesting story that one time Tal and I and my wife interviewed Billie Jean King 
Um, that was an entertaining, uh, on, on our part, we had some technical hiccups, but yeah, Tao was there and Tao was absolutely terrific. We've also reached out to Tao to try and get her on an interview. Um, I haven't yet heard back from her. Tao actually used to do her own podcast as well back in the day, and it was a terrific podcast. I don't know, I can't remember what it was called, but if I can remember, I'll try and pop it in the show notes because they did a couple of really good interviews with a couple of people as well. Yeah, yeah it's a good. Did anyone else listen to Tao's old old pod? Uh, I am like the latest person ever to start listening to podcasts, so it wouldn't be me. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I won't do this in the show notes. I think we'll start with a game that feels so long ago now because of how crowded the the football calendar is, and that is. Um, a game played last week, Denmark won and Matilda's three. So great to get a win over the European, over a European nation at last. So I think I'll start with match based on our pre-show chat. Uh, just your thoughts on, uh, Australia's glorious victory over Denmark. Glorious is the word. Um, <laughs> it was just a really nice feeling just to <laughs> finally get a win over European opposition in Europe as well. So I think, uh, it's been a while for both, um, both of those scenarios. Um, and I think I was just really happy that it seemed to be a progression from the South African game as well. Like I was a little disappointed about, um, you know, the passing and the the, the tightness of the team in, uh, against South Africa. But I think they really improved on that against Denmark. Um, and just, just the attacking intent, um, I think, having that, that four midfield um, sort of was really interesting and uh, really enjoyed Hayley Razzo's energy there and sort of like the, the Y position. And I did, I did comment on Twitter. Um, it's interesting. Like you, I can imagine what you're like, you're an opposition team and you finally see Hayley Razzo and her energy go off, but then what you get is Alex Chidiak coming on. So it's like um, really great to see Alex Chidiak get some um, great minutes in the second half. And I, I feel like she really uh, not only kept up the energy, but really sort of changed the energy um, of the game in the, in the second half. And I know there's been a lot of conjecture about whether or not Alex and Alex should be starting, but at the same time, when I mean, you've got someone who can come on and change a game like that, and I think Tony's talked talked a lot about, um, you know, those game changing type players that uh, you know just being a starter isn't the be all and end all, and and Alex Chidiak is a, a player that can absolutely come on and um and and bring a new energy and and change the momentum of a game. So, but yeah, really really excited to see. Uh, I love, of course, a mini long-range goal. It feels like mm-hmm. it feels like it's uh, been a while since we've seen it. She started getting her eye back in, I think, last season uh, with the Raw, getting a few of those long-range goals going. Uh, I always love having a bit of a, a long-range attacking threat because I think that frees up other attacking opportunities for for you, like your Sam Kerr, so that we're not so one-dimensional. I think that was really interesting as well, like having Caitlin Ford, Courtney Vine as well, having, you know, just just felt like we had options going forward that um that it wasn't just, you know, going to Sam Kerr all the time. So, yeah, really happy. And you need options. I like the point you made about long-range shooting. If someone rushes out to close a long-range shooter down, that space in behind. Absolutely. Exactly like Sam Kerr or Courtney yep. Vine or Haley Rasso, a trio of players that love running in behind defences. Uh, so I'll leave it. I'll open it up to uh, Cheryl and Stefan now as to their thoughts on uh, the game against uh, Denmark. But I, I just I just love, I just want to say I love seeing Aussies putting their foot right through the ball and smashing it over, around, through goalkeepers. Having just seen um, the highlights from the San Diego match as well, and yes. what was it? Emily Van Egmond scored for the first time in the NWSL since 2014. And yes. I was just thinking back to Katrina Gorey at some of her prime, and it was actually 2014 when she won mm-hmm. AFC Player of the Year. So absolutely terrific to see her score a goal like that. And we know she can do it. I don't know whether or not the scouting that all the other nations do can see that Katrina Gorey can do that. Um, for me, Caitlin Ford, the week before I talked about on the pod that I didn't think that she'd played her best game, even though everyone else was saying that Katrina, uh, 
Caitlin Ford had played terrifically. She made me go a little bit quiet scoring a brace. So good on you, Caitlin Ford. And I love to see her playing well. I wasn't saying that she wasn't playing well because I was trying to take her down more because I think her best is better than what we've seen for a little bit of time. So really thrilled to see her get a couple of goals. I think the game before that with Courtney Vine playing up top as well gave Australia a little bit more of a dimension. And then when she's not in there, it just shows that the team, the team's got more options. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important because we've so long, we've relied just on having Sam Kerr up there um, and we'll give a shout out. And Madge, I don't want to steal your thunder either, but the article that came out from Sam Lewis, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well, just talking about the depth of Sam Kerr and how she's changed her goal scoring capability. But then Australia just relying on her too much. And I think this really highlighted take, if Sam's not available, you've got Courtney Vine in there. If if Courtney Vine's on or off her game, you've got Katrina Gorey able to shoot from long range as well. So I think it was a terrific result for Australia. As you say, I think Denmark are ranked 18th in the world or something thereabouts. A good win for us. We um, played better football and, yeah, probably a good way to ease out the towards the end of the year where I think we've only got two more games for the end of the year. That is correct. That is, of course, the November window, Saturday 12th of November, Australia versus Sweden in Melbourne. And then um, Tuesday, 15th of November, Australia versus Thailand in Gosford. We will talk about the Central Coast later. But firstly, Stefan, as our Nordic expert, this is somewhat in line with your specialty. So uh, did you have anything to add about uh, Denmark versus Matilda's discussion? Uh, just one or two little things. Um, I think you've, you've all covered it very well, but um, it was nice to turn the tables on them after the result last time. And the other thing that struck me was the evenness of the performance across the game. Sometimes we uh, play good patches and then and then fade out a bit and lose some quality. But I think uh, what will be pleasing for especially the uh, the team and the coaching staff is um, the, the the level of consistency was uh, was far more satisfying. I think, which are good signs I, I hope for the Sweden game, which will be a real test. So coming up, yeah. So. Of course, the senior Matildas news is not the only Australian national team news. And there was an announcement of the latest junior Matildas training camp. And as I like to make everyone feel old, so everyone feels just like me, this is for players born in 2007, 2008, and 2009. I, I, I'm struggling to comprehend that um, people born in those years are actually old enough to play to go to national team camps but there we go the passage of time defeats everyone i suppose anyway that uh batilda's camp uh on the gold coast from october 25 to november 5 and i thought i'll keep this with stefan because you had you are actually familiar with some of these players i am um i'll i'll mention uh, a few of them a little bit later on in the uh in in the show towards the end but um very pleased to see that there's representation from three canberra players i, I know of two of them I'm not that familiar with Canberra Olympics' Tiana Roberto, um, is, I believe, is a defender. But I've seen quite a bit of um, Georgia Ritchie from Canberra United Academy, who played a few games in the MPLW this year, and a very, very uh, bright prospect. And also Pearl Teen, who has um, played quite a lot for Belcon United in their first team and reserves this year, and is a very, um, very active, um, versatile player. So... Um, yeah, uh, terrific to see um, some good Canberra representation in, in the squad. Yeah, um, so I think because it's asking quite a bit to be familiar with players that are 15 or younger. So the th only thing I wanted to add is if you've been paying attention, close attention to Sydney FC player announcements, then Indiana De Santos from Football New South Wales Institute and Sydney FC's newest scholarship player is also one of the players in this list and uh, Indiana will be joining her older sister Janana in the Sydney FC squad this season but of course we've got as usual we've got links to everything that we talk about also and I'll just throw this open to the three of you the under 17 women's world cup has started in India unfortunately we uh, as an Australia missed out but it was good to see New Zealand uh, participating and um, their youngsters are getting uh game time against the best but did anyone have any particular takes about the women's uh the under 17 world cup absolutely just yes. some of the results and i'm just looking at them at the moment france lost to tanzania Ooh. tanzania Ooh. were down a player 
So they had a red card. I don't know when they got that red card. Spain lost to Mexico. I mean, these are this is good to see the breadth of football just changing around the world. And mm-hmm. if you think back to 20 years ago or something, a lot of the nations that we see right now at the top of their game, even then were at the top of their game. So the football landscape has competition. I'm not saying it's changing, but it's got competition. So that was really good. Japan under 17 defeated Canada 4-0 as well. Terrific result. We Japan often play really well at the youth levels. Um, so does Spain, to be fair. So, yeah, I just think that they're great sensational results to see coming through. A Tanzania result is almost Queen of the Week material, isn't it? That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yep. good on them. Good on yep, them. super exciting. Yep, and the thing I would like to add, and this is um, just courtesy of a tweet I saw from Radha Gupta, who helped us with some content around this year's Asian Cup in India. So uh, when the United States beat... India 8-0, there was a player of Indian descent uh, playing for the US who scored against India, which was a very nice moment because, of course, the tournament is in India. So um, while, so we had Sam Kerr, also of Indian descent, scoring in um, the uh, Senior Asian Cup in January, and then it's uh, happened again to a member, with a member of the Indian diaspora. So I think that's just wonderful. Um, and so, I don't know how close it was to actually not being played in India. Remember that the um, Indian Football yes. Federation, if that's the correct terminology, I'm not sure, were under um, a little bit of trouble from FIFA and, and they did make an announcement, I think, to say that there's no football happening or, or some such thing. Not a quote unquote, but yeah, so interesting. Um, And just with some of those results, it's interesting to see that with only one group stage match left, we've got in group D, you've got France and Canada in positions three and four. So, you know, it's, it's interesting days. And I think they already played each other in the first first match. So Spain's also in the third position group. Group C has all four teams, all four nations on three points. That'll yes. be an interesting, shout interesting out to group, one. Shout out to Group C. Colombia, Colombia, Mexico, Spain, and China all on three points and pretty much the same goal difference. Colombia leads the group with plus one goal difference. China bottom with minus one. So that's <laughs> kind of thing where anything could happen in the, uh, the final round of matches. But yes, we'll keep you up to date with that. Speaking of World Cups, of course, the small matter of the 2023 Women's World Cup draw to be held this Saturday. Uh, 5.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time is when it'll be held. Coverage beginning 5 p.m. Um, Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Saturday at, on Optus Sport. I, was that Cheryl? You that put that in? I'm pretty sure it's in the Optus Sport. Yep. It's good. Optus Sport, yes. It's good. There you go. So, Stefan's doing the um, sub-editing at the moment. Nice work, yeah. Stefan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, can I... So obviously we're fingers crossed to see where everyone actually plays and that will uh, spur many, many, many more tickets being bought, I'm sure. Um, Also, if Ireland is in a group with either Australia or the Philippines, I expect to get notifications because I will actually be out and not able to watch. But I'm hoping that my Twitter followers do not let me down. Uh, So moving on, the latest set of FIFA rankings announced. And of course, Australia as the host nation doesn't really matter it doesn't matter too much because we'll be the top seed in our group no matter what but australia are down to 13th in the latest rankings um before i throw it to the rest of you uh and your takes just i'm just annoyed that north korea are still hanging there in 10th by virtue of not playing any games and therefore not losing any points but i suppose if they're not going to participate in international football it doesn't really matter yeah but i mean i guess so yeah us us dropping Thanks to um, Norway climbing a big 20 points, but also Norway, I think, on the the last set of friendlies, uh, who did they defeat? They defeated Netherlands. the Netherlands. Yes. And yeah. I think that's yeah. had some, um, created, created some lovely draw chaos for us because previously it was sitting in pot two. Um, it was going to be Canada and Spain, but then as a result, and then Spain also beating the US, meant that Spain went up uh, places and the Netherlands have dropped. So I, I don't think it makes any difference for the Matildas, really. I mean, it's Canada and Spain versus Canada and Netherlands. It's, it's um, I don't know, I think it's much of a muchness yeah. um, as far as difficulty 
uh, with who we could potentially draw uh, for the World Cup. But yeah, interesting movements there. Yes. Uh, and I don't know how we, we did need Lockie on here to tell us yes. um, how did Norway manage to bag so many points? Maybe maybe just beating yeah. a team so much further above them yes. um, in the rankings really. That's exactly right. Boost. So it's good to see you're learning from Lockie, Madge. But uh, <laughs> thanks to Lockie and I and what I call the world's greatest group chat. And he did put in um after Netherlands beat Norway that Netherlands have made an absolute rookie mistake scheduling a friendly game against Norway with the potential to lose them ranking enough ranking points for them to drop out of the top six because I do believe this is going to affect which pot they are in for the World Cup so but you know what maybe the Netherlands I mean if 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 you're the Netherlands maybe you wouldn't mind getting drawn against an Australia or a New Zealand I mean is it really a bad thing if you get them you could also yeah. get the United States. That's true. That's yes. true. So, I mean, the results. <laughs> yeah, so, and I guess also then, yeah, Spain beating the US, um, that would have given them a, a nice points boost yep. as well to help them yep. climb. So, so interesting times. So of course, uh, with, with Norway, with their, with their two big losses in amongst those two wins yeah. that they've had yeah. recently. It was, I did a double take when I saw it, i got to say. Yeah. Yeah. But Spain climbing up to six means, I believe, well, this will be confirmed on Saturday. They're in pot one. If they're si- if Spain are now six, they're in pot one, they jumping are. in yeah. at the last possible moment for the World Cup. Is that the highest ranking ever for Spain? I assume so. I, mm. I believe it would be. Um, and Look then at that just, investment. What a difference it makes. Yes, I, I will. Ha- I am going to make a point about investment making a difference to a women's national team later. Thanks for the reminder, Cheryl. Hey, speaking uh, of investment, while well, I've got the floor, because I stole the floor, yes. um, Women on Side have the great debate, which is about investing in women's football. That's happening this Thursday evening, at, kicking off at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. We are going to try and do maybe a little bit of streaming. So it's a a face-to-face kind of event, but we'll try and do some socials. We'll try and do a little bit of streaming. So keep your eyes open for that one. Yes. And of course, if you're in Melbourne, uh, we certainly recommend that you buy a ticket and attend. I'm sure it'll be a wonderful event. Uh, Last bit of world news before we uh, go back and focus on Australian stuff. Uh, Best wishes to legendary Chelsea coach Emma Hayes, who had to go and undergo an emergency hysterectomy and will be stepping away from uh, Chelsea first team coaching duties for the time being. Emma Hayes has been an absolute uh, inspiration just for the way she's conducted herself as the boss of Chelsea. I am very uh, confident based on the wording in uh, her press release, which we've linked to as well, that they they plan for this and that um, things will be going, things will be going just fine, uh, that the first team will be looked after while uh, Emma is away. But of course, the most important thing is that Emma gets back to full health uh just want to throw a random thing out there which no bunch of people don't have to if they don't want to i mean as a man my understanding of this is limited but i do understand that endometriosis which is what emma suffers for is kind of a less understood medical condition and perhaps that's something that needs to be looked into because i do know of uh, some women just on social media that have been let's say screaming about this for years in terms of endometriosis, possibly not being taken seriously enough by the medical profession, which is uh, mostly men. But anyway, that's my soapbox for today. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, Cheryl? Uh, I was just going to say, um, yes, shout out to Emma Hayes. Hopefully she recovers nice and quickly. Not sure how long that recovery time will be from a medical perspective. It yeah. may, or, I mean, there, I think there are different ways to do that surgery as well. So it depends how invasive the surgery was, but that's a personal thing for her and we don't need to know anything about that. I was going to say before we move off international news and into Australian news, there is the um, there was the draw for the intercontinental playoffs as oh, well. Yes. I don't know if that's in our show notes, so um, we might notes. want to chit chat about that as well. But this is where there are uh, is it ten nations are vying for three. Uh, the three remaining World Cup spots, I, I think that event is in Auckland in February. I can't remember the exact dates, Auckland but we know, Hamilton. we know who's playing who. We do. So that is February 18 to 23. Games are in Auckland and Hamilton, which is a 90, about a 90-minute drive away. You can tell I've done research on this for a very obvious reason. But <laughs> so Group A... Um, Winner, so Cameroon is Cameroon playing Thailand. The winner yep. of that plays Portugal, and the winner of that game goes to the World Cup. Group B, Senegal plays Haiti. The winner of that game plays Chile, and the winner of that game goes to the World Cup. Group C, it's um, 
a kind of a more easier format to understand. But it's basically Group C is like a mini tournament, two semis, then a final. Firstly, actually, I'm going to call them Taiwan and not their official name. Taiwan versus Paraguay, Papua New Guinea versus Panama. The two winners of those uh, play in a little mini final, and the winner of that goes to the World Cup. So um, we're going to see more history. We've already got plenty of um, first timers in terms of nations qualifying for the Women's World Cup for the first time. And it does look like, I believe, we're going to get three. Where uh, Chile have been to a World Cup before, but uh, it does look like we'll see at least, we'll, we could see one or two more first timers as well. And Matilda's wise for the draw, we won't be able to draw the winner of Group C. As well as as well as Philippines, so that's I think that's in the rules. So potentially, um, you know, having a, a Chile and, and a and a Portugal there in pot four are a couple of quite tough teams. I think that could, yes. you know, they're probably the hot favourites in in Group A and B um, to get through. I, I think that Group A looks like the toughest, and I'm not talking about World Cup Group A, I'm talking about the playoff yeah. Group A, looks like a super tough tough group when you think about Cameroon, Thailand and Portugal, all very strong. Cameroon have some character to them. Thailand have been um, a nemesis-ish or certainly in our, in our space quite a bit and Portugal are a, a nation that are improving as well. So I think... I think it's going to be a really interesting tournament with New Zealand playing and maybe the yes. announcement said maybe a, a, a guest nation or two coming along. So that'll be an interesting tournament that Eric is researching to maybe go there. Maybe. Well, I, I, I hope I've left enough time to um, for my passport to come through, but I do already have the leave. So I'm slowly ticking off all the adult things I need to go there. And um, I'd also, New Zealand will be involved because um, it's a long way to go to make um, the teams that are only, to, to make them only play one game. So there will be friendly games to fill it out and make sure everyone plays at least two games. New Zealand will be playing a couple of friendlies in that window and as as will and a yet to be named guest nation, which may be, which they said it was going to be Australia, then they said it wasn't going to be Australia. And now who knows, I'll just wait for the announcement. But yes, thanks for the reminder. I will put that in the show notes. Now, um, on to um, A-League women news or signings, or the dub as the competition is affectionately known. And I think we're not going to start with players. We're going to start with a new team. It's finally official from the 2023-24 campaign. Uh, Central Coast Mariners will be the 12th A-League women team. They're back in the competition for the first time since, I think, 2010. And uh, 12 teams will mean a full double round robin season of 22 games. So that's that feels like an actual full-length season. So um, who wants to go first in terms of their thoughts? My thoughts are just, hooray. Yes. Long time coming. Great to see it. And it's and it's also great to see, um, you know, one of the foundation clubs back as well. Uh, so great to see them back in the competition. Uh, Central Coast, you know, they've got a, a plethora of talent um, to draw on uh, from the from the region. So I, I suspect they'll... They'll have some great young players, and and who knows, might be able to you know, attract a, um, some high class players there themselves. Uh, certainly hope so. Um, so they did announce their uh, first signing already, which is a talented young woman named Annalise Rasmussen, who's part of their academy side that competes in the New South Wales Second Division, known as League One Women's for some reason. So yeah, that's there. There is that, and so. Pl- plenty to become come also watch this space but it's um i i hope that i i i'd like to think they're not just looking at npl new south wales and they'll look interstate like teams such as canberra have done because but it's really a big opportunity for um uh, players in sydney who perhaps have missed out uh, in previous seasons and also just a random thought um Isabel Gomez, who's currently at Wellington Phoenix, uh, she grew up in a suburb called Mount Cola in the far north of Sydney. Her local A-League women team would actually be Central Coast Mariners. So I'm throwing out a very early signing prediction for Central Coast's um, next squad. But Hey, uh, I'll, I'll just say um, this is a time where I might potentially eat my hat as well. I've long been a, um, a little bit negative when it comes to league expansion because I wanted to see full home and away. Yeah. Well, here you have it. Give us... Give us um, home and away and league expansion so everyone's a winner and I, I do think it's a great thing to have there. I I am interested in the, I suppose, the financial elements of it and making sure that it's got a great venue for the players to play at, train at, 
all the support that they need. And PFA have obviously been doing a massive job around that. But a little segue into um, Stefan as well for Canberra United to see the, the cost of the memberships increasing mm -hmm. to cover those salary caps. So it's interesting and we, we are now, we talk about the league, the, the dub being a developmental league, but at 22 rounds, it is now in there up amongst all of the best leagues around the world in, in terms of the number of games. And then I think that's a brilliant thing for us. And for Central Coast Mariners, does it mean that with the salary caps that they have and with the funding that they've got, are they looking to bring in, in the same way that Melbourne City did many years ago when they joined the league, have they got the money, have they got the facilities to, to drag in the best players in Australia and around the world? So it's not just having a team, it's having a team that you can back and support 100%. Yeah, so I think... Uh... Yes, all good points. I think I was uh, agreeing with you, Cheryl, that full home and away came first, but they kind of decided to do them both at the same time, in a, in a sense. So, but it's good to see an actual balanced schedule. None of this. Um, some play. Some teams always play each other twice, but then the others are just there. The uh, the other teams you play are just sometimes you play them once, sometimes you play them twice, and it's all a bit on. It's all a bit, you know unbalanced so yeah but um i think with, with regards to the stadium it will be central coast stadium uh where australia will play thailand is the is announced as the venue um for all i think they think they're gonna say all a-league women games so that's good for central coast um uh, there was recently some recent development with the building of a uh second pair of change rooms um so this could be done uh set those up on the central coast have been planning this for a while and that's what enabled uh, Perth Glory to hold those games at Central Coast uh, Stadium last dub season. Shout out to friend of Beyond 90 Games for reminding me of that because there was uh, some silly things back in the bad old days of A-League women where um, players were getting changed in the league's club across the road to, uh, to Central Coast Stadium, but glad those things are behind us. Uh, uh, Cheryl mentioned, so we might just throw to Stefan who has uh, very kindly added a piece in, from the Canberra Times about Canberra United raising membership prices to cover player wages and a half a million dollar salary cap spent. Uh, word of warning, it is behind a paywall, but perhaps it'll still be good for any of our listeners that are Canberra Times subscribers or subscribers to a sister um, publication. But yes, if you could just summarize that piece that you put in there, Stefan, I'm assuming it was you. Happy to do so, yes. Um, and I thought this was meant, worth mentioning because uh, some of these details are often hidden from, from the average punters, so it's good to get this sort of information out there. Um, so as, as mentioned, there's a half a million dollar salary cap that was until fairly recently 450K as I understand it. Um, under the salary cap arrangements, the uh, the APL pays a subsidy of $350,000 to A-League women teams and the clubs have to find the rest of the, uh, the money themselves. Um, Historically, Canberra hasn't been able to do that the last few years. I know that in 2020, for example, we we were uh, a fair bit under, and uh, the CEO Chris Gardner of Canberra uh, of Capital Football, Canberra United, um, mentioned uh, in that same article that last year we didn't get there either, as far as we being Canberra United, sorry, uh, spending the entire cap. But uh, he thinks to be competitive this year, we think we need to spend the entire. Uh, 500,000 cap amount and that's been par partially why there's an extra tier of membership at Canberra United this year called Green Plus membership. So what they've done is they've reserved the top through top few rows of the like central areas for for the um, for the green members mm -hmm. um, and you pay a, a slight extra premium on top of what you what you'd normally be paying as a, as a green member to for the privilege of um, sitting in those spots, you get a couple of other little bonuses as well. Um, one of them is a historical um, piece that the club um, is authoring specifically for Green Plus members. So that's quite a nice little bonus. Um, but there's one or two other little things there too, which are, which are like little incentives. Um, I think it's probably been um, met with uh, a little bit of pushback in some quarters, but in general, I think myself included, I'm very happy that the club is finally going to be on, on equal footing again with the rest of the league. 
as far as being able to have access to the full cap and competing on an on even keel with them. And also because we're going to be reimbursing our players um, as befits, um, you know, their, their, um, their abilities and their status. And, um, and I'm just glad that we're looking after them in that regard as we should. You know, we're not there where we want to be yet, but it's, uh, it's a good step in the right direction. So I think all, all in all, I'm, I'm quite positive about this, this outcome, but it also, as mentioned, reveals some of the inner workings around how the cap works. I think, yeah, I think it's a really great move, um, Stefan, and and I applaud Canberra for, for going down this route. And I guess from my perspective, I would wish that some of the other clubs that have both A-League men's and A-League women's teams would look at differentiating their, their dub memberships more than they do. Because I think mm-hmm. too often, while it while it's nice in, in early days to sort of say, oh, if you buy an A-League mem- membership, all of the women's games are included, mm-hmm. I think we're past that stage now. And I think they, you know, they should be valuing their product and, um, you know, not just making it a given that, you know, people will just get this extra add-on without having to invest any of any thought into um, their support of, of their women's side of the club. So, uh, I'd be happy to, you know, pay a premium for a Brisbane Raw women's uh, membership. I mean, I know we have we have um, Raw women's memberships, and a lot of clubs do have individual memberships for people who don't want to be uh, members of the club uh, that the A League men's as well. But um, yeah, I think it's just really interesting offering those different tiers and and different um, rewards for different levels of membership, and want to see more of it. And I'm liking the thought of premium seating at McKellar Park, certainly a premium venue to watch A-League women's. And I'll be so delighted to be back, uh, planning to be back there for round one when, on the 19th of November when Canberra United play Perth Glory because it's been um, rather too long since I've watched a game at McKellar. But uh, anyway, so of course there were uh, the usual amount of player signings during the week. We have them all in our show notes, but I thought just want to throw it open to the three of you to see which particular signings um, caught people's attention this week. Uh, Madge, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Ah, yes, yeah. I know what this question is. Can you, tell us, <laughs> can you tell us all about Ellen Get, please? I'd love to know a bit more about Ellen. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that uh, the Roar have lost Ellen Get to Canberra. She's a really exciting, uh, sort of physical forward. Um, doesn't mind having a pop at goal. Um, but yeah, very you know, quite technical, technical and strong and fast. Uh, so I think she'll be a really exciting addition to the team. I think she's been the captain, I believe, of the QAS team as well. So some um, leadership uh, capabilities there as well. So mm-hmm. I think Ellen is a, is a great pickup uh, for Canberra. So yeah, a bit disappointed. Okay. Um, hopefully, so- I'll, hopefully, I'll I'll keep my other rugby player ah, yes, um, yes. The, haven't heard anything yet but um i'm crossing my fingers there but from a raw perspective um yeah really interesting signing um hensley handcuff um uh, a u.s import from uh from gotham from gotham city and it was actually nice seeing the raw you know do, do a nice little sizzle as well before the announcement uh, doing a bit of a fun teaser teaser posts across their social medias um you know playing on the gotham theme and having a little batman signal so uh it's nice to see them hyping up uh hyping up the signings of the women's team but yeah so hensley seems like uh you know a a backup keeper there um behind uh i'm not sure who's been the number one keeper at gotham but uh um uh, betos um was there and um I've completely forgotten a name now. Power couple, US power couple. Oh, uh, that's, I can't um, this, I'm sorry. Which one? That yes. sounds like Tobin Heath. Oh, I know there's a US, few. There's know. a few. Defender goalkeeper, power couple. Oh, Ellie Krieger and um, <laughs> the goalkeeper, Ashlyn Harris. Harris, yes, yes. So, yes. Um, so yeah, so they 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 were the goalkeepers there at Gotham. So and it actually seems like she's got quite the fan base, um, Hensley, because um, on the Raw call they were there were a bunch of very excited um, Gotham FC fans who are very keen to follow 
her exploits in the dub and I think they're hoping that uh so she comes highly recommended and I think yeah hoping that she's she's going to get some really good minutes to help to progress her career like so many uh, players from the U.S. have done in the dub over the years so exciting to account how many how many U.S. players in particular have come to Australia and then gone back and, and played national level for the U.S. Um, or who had previously played national and then gone back and did a little bit more. I mean, many of them actually play in the under, you know, U13s, U15s, U17s and all of the above. So, but that opens sort of national um, recognition. Yeah, we've definitely been at a place where some players have come. I call that the Abby Dahlkemper career path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. So, Not the first one who did it, though. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one I really sticks in my mind for some reason. But yes, he was. Yeah, she certainly stood out after playing for Adelaide. I think it was. Um, while we're in, while we're helping Stefan with um, intel on new signings, um, I'd like to talk about uh, what Madge likes to refer to, or who Madge likes to refer to as a lost Aussie, uh, Australian-raised Serbian international Vesda Milivojevic, who was announced today at the time of recording as Canberra United's latest signing. Uh, she. She really stood out in a lower table team in the 2019 NPL New South Wales season. Um, they finished near the bottom, but she still won player of the year because she was just so incredible as an attacking midfielder. She's uh, certainly has a lot of confidence on the ball, likes to run with the ball, very good at beating players, good passer, good, good shot with both feet as well. So that's certainly a lot for Canberra United fans to look forward to. And it's, I can I say because Laura Hughes also announced his resign during the week. A, a, a Laura Hughes, Grace Ma, Vesna Milivojevic midfield is yeah. very exciting, and that would be playing behind Michelle Heyman and Grace Jolly. So yeah, that's yeah, uh, look, looking great, isn't it? Um, and very happy to hear about Vesna as well. She's got that um, some of that X factor, I think. Mm, so that's yeah. going to be good to see. And very relieved about Laura. She was the last of the. Uh, mm. The Canberra call, who was who we were sweating on. So uh, yeah, it was good news. While we're talking about Canberra, sorry, I don't want to make this a Canberra podcast, but um, oh, it's too late. Just um, <laughs> I've got a um, I've got a chat lined up with the coach um, with um, with Negosh uh, Popovich on during this week. So I'm looking forward to bringing um, bringing some some information to to all the Canberra fans out there and, and to anyone else who's interested. I said, never apologize for being biased towards a team that wears green, <laughs> Stefan. Now, uh, just briefly looking at the other signings. So Tessa Tamplin back at the Jets, uh, spent a year with a season with Sovet in Switzerland. But I think once she disappeared, I, I kind of sense that this was the move that's going to happen. And certainly Tessa still by really young, born in 2001 and will strengthen um, the fullback spots for the Jets. I loved Sydney FC replacing... Kiwi international fullback Ali Green with Kiwi international fullback Anna Green. That's absolutely brilliant. Perhaps the kit manager had something to say there. Maybe they've gotten to a rhythm, didn't want to learn any new names. Um, they've also uh, signed Madison Haley, who an American who's the daughter of an NFL Hall of Famer named Charles Haley. So I am thinking of all my gridiron puns for um, Beyond 90 Live tweets as we speak. And also speaking of Kiwis, Malia Steinmetz returning to Western City Wanderers. And they've also announced a signing, uh, Holly Caspers, who uh, was a star for Sydney University this NPL season and uh, previously um, of Canberra United last uh, A-League women's season. So Holly Caspers going from Canberra to the Wanderers, or as I like to call it, the Ashley Crofts career path. Now, um, I think I've shown incredible self-discipline to hold on to it for this long. It's time to discuss the UEFA Women's World Cup playoffs. So before I lose my mind, would anyone like to talk about Switzerland versus Wales or Portugal versus Iceland? I feel like we should just put ourselves on mute and let Eric take it away. Yes. Okay. So I will acknowledge the first two games because it's high drama, as you always see in playoffs. Switzerland uh, fell behind to Wales, but um, eventually a 92nd minute goal put them, took them through to the World Cup. And then Portugal, perhaps a little bit of a shock, but uh, I think helped by an Iceland red card, they defeated 4-1 after extra time. But uh, for those of you that can uh, see my background or at least have paid any attention to my Twitter over the last week, I'm so delighted that the Republic of Ireland finally got the job done and they've um, undid the heartbreak of what of real disappointment by failing to qualify for Euro 2022. They defeated Scotland 1-0 in Glasgow, uh, an away victory as well. And if, I don't know if you can see my background. It is, uh, I'll just describe it for those listening in audio. It is a shot of Amber Barrett scoring the winning goal. 
It was it was absolutely incredible. A real strong defensive performance as well. Ireland play five at the back and have three absolutely giant central defenders. Uh, shout out to them, Louise Quinn, Nifahi, and Di Caldwell. I say, I feel like they would head a flying brick if it would help the Republic of Ireland, and they really put their bodies on the line. Um, also helped by a Courtney Brosnan penalty save early on from Caroline Weir, no less. But then, um, yeah, just they really, I mean, Scotland, they'll be disappointed because I feel like they had the talent to play better. But Ireland, despite basically sticking bodies in the way on the edge of their oh, own box for long periods, they managed to win. And, oh, and Denise O'Sullivan set up the winning goal. Of course she did. So that's that's it. We've, I've got links to both the Ireland's winning goal and Switzerland Switzerland's winning goal in the pod notes. And congratulations to them. We will, Ireland and Switzerland will joining will be joining the World Cup party next year. Uh, does anyone want to I'm going to keep talking about that same one, Eric, yes. but I, I did the mammoth um, graveyard shift to watch the, the Matildas that morning and then on to watch Scotland and Ireland. Uh, I've got a bunch of Scottish friends, so um, they were devastated. And I think it's, they, they, they lost in the most Scottish of ways by um, also missing a penalty yes. um, early on in the game. Uh, and then, yeah, Ireland just sort of, yeah, just really put up the wall uh, towards the end of the game that um, that Scotland couldn't get through. I did want to give but a shout-out to, oh, I've forgotten, the throwing queen, Eric. Oh, yes, how could I forget the throwing queen? Megan uh, Campbell. The, has a throw-in, goes in the net. No one touched it, so it wasn't a goal. But as far as I'm concerned, if you can throw the ball into the net from the sideline, it's a goal. Like, like let's change the rules. That's... um. Uh, it was quite spectacular. So yes, the um, you you told us about the uh, the 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 amazing throw-ins, um, and it, it did not disappoint. Yeah, a, a amazing attacking option, as we see with Ellie Carpenter when the Matildas, when she's playing for the Matildas. Um, but yes, this is this is a a few meters uh more on Ellie's throw-ins, I think. So yeah, after watching Ireland versus Scotland. I now think that Megan Campbell can throw it further than Sam Starb, which is quite an effort. I didn't think that would ever be possible, but there, the throw-ins—it's like bet. They, it's like better than a corner kick, and you can take them from quite multiple different positions. Yep. So if you're if you want to see more of Megan Campbell's long throws, watch Liverpool in the FAWSL because uh, she's been doing that as well, and uh, I think her long throws helped um, Liverpool come from behind to defeat Chelsea on the opening day of the season. So uh, briefly. Other international games, I don't know if anyone has any takes. Spain defeated the USA, two goals to nil. A nil-all draw between England and the Czech Republic, which was a shock. We've covered Netherlands losing to Norway. And uh, Costa Rica defeated the Philippines by two goals to one. So that was that was the third game I was watching when I was pulling the graveyard ship with you, Madge. And I, well, I, I barely remember any of it, to be honest, but there it is. Um, I think the other thing is that I'm... Um, thinking back to draw possibilities as well, is that I think Brazil are just looking really solid. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit worried about getting, but I know we always get Brazil. So it's very yes. likely that we will yes. get Brazil and they're, they're, they're looking pretty solid and pretty good in, in the lead up um, at the moment. So they, they beat Italy one nil as well. So yeah, that was my takeaway. Mm. Who, who I don't want to play. Canada did, did well. Brazil did well. Netherlands, not so much. So maybe we want the Netherlands. Yeah, but then Norway did well. So who knows? It's, it's, yes, it's, uh, it's to take um, whatever we get. And of course, um, Australia, uh, because you can't have two Asia, AFC nations in the same pot. Australia, we know they can't get Japan, China, or South Korea. It's kind of funneling mm -hmm. the draw towards teams we don't want to play. So, yep. <laughs> okay, I think. It's um, been, sorry, it's, it's, it's been a tough little window for uh, France as well with their losses to first Germany and then to Sweden. So um, they've. They probably relish the chance to play at such high-level opposition, but they haven't um, come. They haven't covered themselves with glory in either of those games. And I did watch the highlights of the Norway Netherlands game, and uh, it was quite uh, incredible to watch. The um, Netherlands were were uh, pretty much dominant for the first hour, and then Norway got a sneaky ball in behind on a on a dead ball on a free kick behind the defence and, and tucked it away, and then got a um, what was the what was the winning goal? I can't remember, but it was. Um, Perhaps a little against the run of play, except for, and they came back strongly in the last half hour. So it's just uh, worth a look. There's a nine minute highlights package on YouTube if you want to have a look. Yeah. But the other, the only other point that I wanted to make was 
Spain beating USA. Now I'm pretty sure Spain were without 15 players mm-hmm. who have uh, resigned given the coaching situation um, in protest. So that's that's a real testament to I think the depth of the Spanish system that um, they can just roll on, lose 15 players, uh, substitute a whole bunch of new people, and still take down the USA two nil. So amazing. Um, I'm I'm not ha- I'm not unhappy that they've moved into the the top pot for the World Cup. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's pretty much given. Um, how they've developed their game and how what everyone's saying about them, there are people all around the world that are convinced they will win the World Cup next year because of what they seen with regards to their development. So I, the very least they deserve is to be in the top seeding pot, I think. Okay, so I think we'll go on to the Aussies involved in club football. We'll breeze through this because we'll put the full details in terms of uh, results for teams involving Aussies and the playing time Aussies received, but just uh, most notably from the FAWSL, unless something... Anyone has something to add? Uh, Mackenzie Arnold, full game and a penalty save and a yellow card as West Ham defeated Aston Villa 2-1. So she, M- Mackenzie, uh, she's been great. She's been great at West Ham and yet what, uh, yet another game for the Hammers where she makes a number of key saves. Um, plus onto... no, no Aussies involved, but plus three red cards in that game as well. And What's sounds the... like there should have been a fourth, but, you know, <laughs> who was the chaos fourth? game. Because the um, the Aston Villa player didn't get he a red card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, there mm. was that there. That red card was um, it was the reddest of red cards though. But go off and watch the highlights, everyone. Yes. It can't be yeah. described too much, but it did eat up about what a seven minutes of time. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yep. Um. So on to the FA Championship and the segment I like to call Polly's Palace in honor of Crystal Palace right wing back Polly Doran. By the way, can I? I will. I will turn up. Why do I never know how to do this under pressure? But let me. Sorry, guys, I've forgotten how to turn off my thing. I have a, I have a jersey that I would like to show people, but I've forgotten how to turn off my virtual background. I'm sorry, you might have to edit this out of the pod. But if it's green, it might work. Or if it's not green, it's not, sorry, it's if it's green. not green, it might work. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Well, no, if it, well, give it a go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there, there we go. There's. Oh, custom nice. jersey number 12 very nice Poly, a polydoran jersey um yeah so yes just I, i've really been a big fan of her since she established herself as melbourne victory's right back or as i like to call her the greatest right back in the world and hey if we're holding things up i don't know if you can Ooh. see media accreditation has come through as well and i have to say australian professional leagues have gone off and been a bit fancy and given us a lanyard some years it turns up without a lanyard this That's year true. it's turned up with a lovely lanyard so nice shout out to them as well yeah so uh, easily please and that lanyard <laughs> matches my Crystal Palace jersey, by the way. I've noticed Crystal Palace's colours, purple and red. Hard to mess up. This is a particularly good pa- Palace jersey, though. Uh, unfortunately, they lost 2-0 to Sutherland, but uh, Polydoran started and played 67 minutes. And in the other championship game, um, Durham defeated Lewis by two goals to one. Isabel Dalton not listed for Lewis, but Libby Copas-Brown did a start in 85 minutes. Um, other highlights, the the standard Jacinta Galabadarachi full game goal and assist as Celtic defeated Glasgow women uh, by seven goals to nil. Let's see. Oh, in Germany, Anna Margraf, I believe that's her first start for Meppen. And she played a full game and oh, Meppen won, defeated Bayer Leverkusen by a goal to nil. I, I, uh, just uh, tell us a bit more about, oh, sorry for throwing you on the bus, Madge. Tell us a bit more about Anna Margraf because she's really had to, she's kind of, she hasn't been given the playing time straight away, but she's a, but yeah, she's a really one of those sort of fun, versatile sort of winger types. So she can play uh, sort of fullback position, but then she can also you know bomb forward. So you can sort of play her, play her as a wing position or or the fullback, which is always handy uh, and flexible. Uh, very much a confidence player. So I think um, obviously she's been she must be showing um, showing some really good signs in training in the in the minutes that she has been getting to to get the full game and the start and that will do her confidence a world of good. So I was really excited about her move to Germany and um, yeah, it looks like it's going really well for her. So I might have to try and whip out the VPN and, and see if I can catch a few games. Yep. Um, So the other point about Margraf, I mean, 
squad numbers aren't the biggest thing, but she's, I believe she's number seven. In my experience, nobody's giving low numbers to players they don't intend to start at some point. So uh, hopefully the number seven means she will play possibly on the wing, who knows, but it's good to see uh, Anna got a full game. And I believe uh, uh, playing there on a German passport, so she is not taking up a visa spot, which is very handy. Uh, what else? So the ongoing confusion with uh, a couple of lost Aussies at Spartak Subotica. Now, uh, we know Vesna Milivojevic is in Australia because uh, Cambria United released a, bit, a short video interview with her today at the time of recording. Tyler J. Vlainic has been announced by Western United a couple of weeks ago, but she started for Spartak Subotica against Spartak Subotica's second team. And obviously, and the Spartak Subotica first team won 7-0. So I'm assuming Tyler J. Vlainic will be back well in time for round one of A-League women. I would hope so anyway. Uh, on to Nordic stuff. So obviously we have to throw to Stefan because he's done some great work once again, keeping track of uh, players in the Nordic leagues. But uh, what's really, what are the main things I think that's caught your eye from this weekend, Stefan? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, go through it fairly quickly. Um, in in Norway, it was the third last round of the playoffs. So um, probably the only thing really of note there is that ex um, Adelaide United player and Julie Dolan medalist Fiona Wurtz came on late in Lilstrom's, which is Carly Rosbacken's um, previous club. Uh, 2-0 important win over Avaldsnes. They were sitting in the relegation zone for dropping out of the league, which would, uh, for such a, a team with a huge amount of history that they've got, that would have not been good. So this lifts them back up into fourth. Um, and neither Meeks nor Ali Green played for their respective clubs in the champions group. Um, but they're sitting quite pretty, I believe, in first and second and uh, doing very well. Um, I'll move on to Sweden then. Uh, it was round 23 of 26. Um, Remy Simpson's playing tonight against the, the whole host of Aussies over, over in Hammerby. Uh, Tegan Micah played a, a full game in their, in Rosengard's 1-0 win over Eskils Tuna United. Um, Pogs wasn't on the card, but Charlie Grant played a full game and many played 74 minutes, scored and registered an assist in Vizio's 3-1 away win against 13th-placed Bromo Pekana. Uh, Emma Chicka's team, uh, Yumiya, who were 12th, had an important 2-1 home win against 10th-placed uh, Jurgarden. Uh, Emma was an unused sub. And Ivy Lewick um, came on in the 73rd minute for BK Heckens' 2-1 away win against Kalmar. Uh, over to you, Eric, for, De for Denmark. Denmark, yes. So I love to see this all four Danish-based Aussies or to, or perhaps to put it another way, uh, Denmark's three Aussies and future Filipino superstar Angie Beard, fingers crossed. Uh, but they all played 90 minutes. Um, Matilda McNamara had her standard game for AGF, but they lost 1-0 to Fortuna Huring, who had Angie Beard and Indy Riley. An assist for Indy Riley, good to see. But as I said, all three of them playing 90 minutes, as was Winona Heatley, who played um, the full game with FC Nordschalan, defeating Bronbrou by two goals to one. I did notice um, over the last few weeks, Winona Heatley has been an unused sub. They put her back in the starting lineup and they also win. So win for the first time in a few weeks. So there's a hint to the good of FC Nordschalan. Play Winona Heatley. Yep. Uh, so almost done. Uh, NWSL, they had uh, semis, that, oh, sorry, the first round of the playoffs today at the time of recording and chaos, I think, to say the least, in both games. Who wants to go first? If anyone watched it. but I Oh, I, didn't, I think it's a goal from Emily Van Egmond, which yeah. um, sealed it for them. I think oh. Van Eggs hadn't scored since 2014, so yeah. that was a while yeah. ago, but she it was a beautiful nice. um, assist, I think, from Sophia Jacobson, I think it was. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, just a nice little fake and move. So yeah, lovely. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was San Diego Wave coming from behind to defeat Chicago Red Stars 2-1 after extra time. Uh, Van Egmont, another full, no, a really full game this time. 120 minutes, a goal and a yellow card. Uh, extra time winner for the Wave from Alex Morgan, I think. And so, yep. Yeah, so the Wave through to the semifinals. And in the other one, uh, Kansas City defeated Houston Dash by two goals to one. Chloe Legazzo still not getting on the field, but at least she's fit enough to make the bench. And Kansas City scoring a winner in the 10th minute of stoppage time, something you don't see too often. But yes, so that NWSL really ramping up to its conclusion. Now it's time for our favorite part of 
uh, all podcasts, which is the Queen slash King slash non-binary legends of the week. Um, let's see. Uh, anyone who wants? I, I'm going to give a, a thumbs up to Madge's Queen of the Week. So yes. if you want to go first, Madge, I'll do a mm-hmm. thumbs up. I've got right. an extra one as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm I'm just going to give a shout out to uh, a wonderful piece of work by Samantha Lewis uh, this week, putting together a really wonderful uh, interactive uh, video audio piece on the ABC about the the rise of Sam Kerr's um, footballing career it, it, by mapping all of her goals. Um, video of you know, well missing a few, unfortunately, that they they couldn't find from the archives from the, from the early W League days. But it's just a really wonderful storytelling piece, and I highly recommend uh, you jump on the link that we've got in the show notes there and check it out. Um, it's it's exactly the type of of uh, media that we want to see more of, uh, covering women's football and um, and you know storytelling uh, the amazing stories that we have. Uh, in there so but yeah just amazing piece so well done to sam and the team yeah um i'm so keen for people to read this i've actually linked to it twice so i'm linked (laughs) i'll link to the piece directly in the pod article i'm also linking to sam's tweet where she posted the article uh uh herself and also her little teaser clip she had a little teaser clip that's worth a a watch as well um that was a great funny little um little teaser clip that she did at um on the i think it was on the oh yes that, that is a Okay, so that's something else to embed. That is ABC News yeah. Instagram. That is Links that's a, that was great as well. So I've got three things yeah. to embed. I this is how much I want you to read this. Kind of say I <laughs> I am not ashamed to say that I I have no shame in saying that Samantha Lewis is my hero. She I learned so much from her when we worked together. She went and she was doing stuff for Beyond Ninety, and it's her glow up has been as through football media to now doing stuff like this and having a full-time role at the ABC is wonderful to see. And I cannot wait to see what she does. I think it's award-winning. And I think that from a research perspective, you can see how much work that she's put into it. And I just think it's wonderful that people care that much about sharing the stories of women's football. And I'm absolutely thrilled that it was Sam that does it because we know that she's an amazing professional. We know that she's worked through the grassroots and really has that passion for football as well as opposed to being and nothing wrong with people who are generic sports reporters as well but um sam lewis is absolutely the genuine article while i've got the floor happy birthday to marissa Bordanic, who is oh, yes. the host of the far post pod where there's a couple of women that we've worked with as well in there so um congrats to all of those people as well and my coin of the week may as well kick it off with my or keep going with mine as well vera paul who has coached the Republic of Ireland to their first Women's World Cup qualification. I did put a little bit extra in there to say it would be one of the first time that Eric and I would agree, but he's edited that out. So too much power. We, we agree a lot. We When we disagree, we just disagree really loudly. We actually agree most of the time, Cheryl. So I'm, I'm editing that out. I think it's a bit misguided. It's a bit misleading. But yes, um, I will talk more about Ireland later. But firstly... Um, Friend of Beyond 90 and the only man who understands the FIFA Women's uh, International Team rankings, Lockie France, the college Matilda's admin. He just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Jess Coates, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame for her American college, Nickel State, after a brilliant playing career. So that's it's it's quite the journey and quite the adventure for an Australian to play college in the United States, given uh, most colleges are in small town America so something very different to what a lot of our young players would be used to but Jess really made it work and uh, she's been um, recognized by her college. Stefan how about your Queens of Queens triple of the week? Yes before I do just a a little um, shout out and kudos to the design team that supported Sam Lewis in her her article. um, The level of innovation in that in that piece is uh, is incredible to see. So well done to them as well, and to Sam, of course. Yep. Um, um, in her tweets, he said she spent six months uh, tracking down footage of every goal Sam Kerr has ever scored to in um, that piece. So uh, that's another reason for us to recommend it 
because um, unfortunately I've forgotten the names of the team who helped her, but they are all at the bottom of the article. So, so uh, Samantha certainly a brilliant individual, didn't do it by herself. Shout out also to the ABC for giving her the kind of platform where she can produce wonderful content like this. Mm. But who are your actual Queens of the Week? Yes, well, apart from Tanzania, who we mentioned earlier on, yes. who've just really captured the imagination a bit, um, I, I think I mentioned that the three uh, Canberra uh, reps in the um, in the Junior Matilda squad. So Pearl Teen, Georgia Ritchie and Tiana Roberto, you are my Queens of the Week. Hope you love the camp. Yes, and um, it's good because they're at the age where the Gold Coast isn't a risk. So that'll that'll be good. And sorry, I will not explain that anymore. But yes, my queen of the week, you know what who it is. It's the Republic of Ireland women's team, my queens in green. Again, as we've always said, first women's World Cup, defeating Scotland one nil to qualify for that. Uh, there's a lot of a back, there's a big backstory. Uh, five years ago, the squad uh, protested the unacceptable treatment they received and threatened to go on strike. It was things like being forced to change in airport uh, bathrooms because they were actually sharing tracksuits with other national teams. Uh, there was no appearance fees for playing for your country, so players were left out of pocket, made doubly worse by the fact that Ireland still has an amateur national league. But from then, they've uh, basically uh, forced the change. Uh, there was a historic equal pay agreement reached last year between the Irish women's and men's teams. And now they're going to the World Cup and fingers crossed that Ireland play a game in Sydney. Although I will go to New Zealand to watch them, obviously. But uh, I think unless any someone has anything to add, that's it for the latest edition of the Beyond 90 pod. So uh, behalf, on behalf of Cheryl Down, Stefan Mobus, and Magella Card, thanks so much for your support. And thanks so much for tuning in once again. So we'll be back next week for another, uh, another Beyond 90 podcast, which will be episode 119, where we, uh, we will just love to tell you uh, more Oh, more wonderful stories from the brilliant world of women's football. So um, I'd like to wish you all the best of vibes. Uh, tell your loved ones how much they mean to you. Get more tattoos. And if you're a player, hope you razzle every time the ball's at your feet. See ya.